The typical model for gig workers is to categorize them as independent contractors, but some workers and businesses have chosen a different model, categorizing part-time workers as employees. So Norbert Sidjak is going to walk us through why Ride Along categorizes their workers as employees and uh, help us think through what model would work best for each type of marketplace. Well, Norbert is the co-founder CEO at Ride Along, and Ride Along is an awesome marketplace that I've been following. They provide safe, reliable, managed transportation for kids across the country, and uh, you guys have been just kicking butt and taking names. So I'm excited to talk about uh, talk about this topic with you and just glean some of that expertise that you've gained from experience at Ride Along and deliver that back to to our audience and to other marketplace leaders. So thank you, Norbert. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Thank you, but, Brooks. Thank you, for, you know, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first question for you, just to kind of jump right into the topic. Um, why have you uh, and Ride Along chosen to categorize your workers as W-2 employees rather than independent contractors? Good, great, great question. I mean, look, I think it's a question that's discussed throughout the industry right now. Um, you know, the reality of it is we took a look at the gig economy and we realized that the gig market... Um, just historically was meant to be just that, the gig market, right? And and what has become the great companies such as Uber, Lyft have changed what the gig, you know, market is now. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, their drivers are making it their full-time job. But what happens in the workforce is that when you work in, you know, in the gig market as a, you know, as a 1099 and you putting in 40, 50 hours a week, you lose the benefits of being, you know, a W-2. So, uh, we've heard from the drivers, we've heard from the gig world, and we heard that the one thing they were missing is benefits and having a chance to have a you know, 401k and and feeling like they're truly kind of part of a team. It's not that they're not part of a team as a 1099, but we've met too many great drivers who spend 20, 30 years doing you know, the gig world and realized that they had not much to protect themselves for, for the later years. So we chose to kind of um, take the route of providing both options to our, you know, to our drivers. Majority of our drivers are W-2, uh, but we do give them the option. There are people who prefer it to be, you know, 1099. I was saying it's awesome that you guys give them the option. That's really putting the onus and the um, emphasis back on serving the gig worker, right? Um, yeah. So that's awesome. I would say what what are some of the reasons that you've had drivers choose to be 1099 contractors versus W-2 employees and uh, and vice versa? What, what have been some of the reasons people yeah. are happy with being able to be categorized as employees? I'll go backwards a little bit. You know, our W-2, um, you know, drivers, they love having the protected status so that if another knock on wood, you know, COVID happens or the industry gets shut down for whatever reason, them being, you know, protected through the unemployment process uh, is key for them. Uh, you know, as a 1099, even though it took a while to finally get that or what COVID happened in 2020. Um, the other thing that we've heard from driver is, you know, 401k, for example. They just didn't have those options and savings for when they were going to be finished working. So having those protections that we do offer was key for them. We have a good number of 1099 drivers who want to continue that way. And why they want to continue that way? I think when a contractor um, tends to, to to kind of operate on their own schedule and, and feel like they're their own boss, right? There's many, you know, implications for tax purposes, for schedules um, that people prefer to just be that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we think that's a great market. Um, but I think having the option of starting with one way and being able to switch to a, you know, a more safer mode is, 
is there for them. And so we chose to make our model where drivers have, you know, the choice to do both. Um, they can start as a 1099, but six months into the job, they can decide they want to become, you know, you know, switch the status. And that's perfectly okay. Um, you know, we understand that in life, things change for them too. And we want to be here to help them with that. That's awesome. And I know that has a lot of implications for your business. I, I think a lot about that. Um, I think there's pressure from the government on different ways that marketplaces should be categorizing their workers. Um, and it, it almost feels like this tension between some groups of workers saying, hey, we should be having some of these benefits that actual employees are having. And then there's people in the in the government that are saying, yeah, you, they should be able to, putting pressure on marketplaces. But on the other side, there, there are groups of workers that are like, that is the opposite of the reason why I'm doing gig work. Yeah. And so there, there is that balance and being able to serve gig workers well by offering them both um, is amazing. But I know that brings back some some decisions that you've had to make on your business. Um, and so my question is, what what are the benefits for you of allowing them to to choose? And um, and what have what have been some of the implications of that for Ride Along? Yeah, no, that's a um, great question. Look, there's you're always going to have parties on both sides who prefer one, you know, or the other, right? And and there's almost another group that likes to have both. To be honest with you, likes to have that chance to switch and and be you know have a chance to do so. I think you know as a business for us, it was really taking a look at our business model to understand that when you build your entire you know foundation off of just one model. It is near possible to go backwards and change that. I mean, we see some of those issues now with Uber, Lyft, and states like you know um, California, who are pushing them to change the status of drivers. Um, look, in all fairness, it's 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 near possible to change your entire model now to change the drivers to you know to W two status. Um, there's tax, you know, you know, implication. You have to take the cost of what that means and add it to the you know to the cost of you know that you're going to charge your client, etc. Um, so I think planning ahead um, before you start a business or get into this you know world is understanding of what your costs are in order to provide a favorable place for drivers to have a choice to do both. Um, and if you take that cost and implement it into your you know structure, your you know profit models, pricing models, you're going to find yourself a lot easier to to offer both. Um, you know we have taken the steps early on to protect the business and basically account though as our drivers want to be W-2, whether it's not going to be right away when they start, at some point they're going to want that. And we, you know, took that early on and said, we know that's, that change will come and we want to be as ready for it as um, uh, possible. Um, and I think that's, you know, having that option in itself is a great way to, you know, um, get great talent out there who wants that, even if it's for the three, four hours, you know, each day. So what I'm hearing from you, there's really two key benefits that you get at right along from the way you're classifying workers. One is, of course, when you're serving gig workers better, you're going to have more workers that want to come into your platform and more workers that are committed to your platform, right? Because there's a lot more trust built and, and uh, commitment built as you're serving them better, knowing them better, listening to them, which is a theme I've, I've heard from you. Um, and then the second piece is you are really future-proofing your business from um, any potential changes, right? You have two different options you can move into depending on how the market changes, how the law changes. Um, and so I think that's really thoughtful. And a another point I heard from you there that I think is important to emphasize is um, if you're a marketplace leader, this isn't really something you can put off, right? You can't right. be thinking about this uh, three years after you've started to build a workforce and they're all classified as 1099. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that or any advice that you'd give to, to marketplace leaders 
on that regard? Yeah, look, I, I think the change in how we classify gig workers is, you know, inevitable, right? I think we see all states and, you know, you know, federal government just pushing that change, you know, you know, regardless. Um, if it's not necessarily changing the status to, you know, to to W-2, then it's at least raising the rates that they're getting paid, right? So they can offer, you know, so they can get their all insurance and benefits, et cetera. And if you're not accounting for that early on, that that change is going to happen, um, you're going to find yourself either missing out on your profits, revenue, being short of money, because you're going to have to reinvent the wheel of how you built, you know, your, you know, model. Um, we think that as we started to build this up, we've seen the changes, to, you know, the, you know, the legal battle that, you know, Uber Live has had in California and other states. And, you know, we, we think there is a way to build a business model where you think about the bottom line and where you think about your client, but you also think about your workforce. I think there is a place where you can do all, right? Um, so maybe you suffer a little bit on the profit margins or the revenue, but I think, you know, if you ask any of, you know, of the companies out there, they would prefer to have a happy workforce that's going to get you to the next level than it is to worry about how to reshape your business because now you have to make those changes. Um, you know, we are a little bit different in that sense where our drivers, once they uh, work with us and, uh, you know, assigned a route of students that they drive, they drive that route Monday through Friday, those same students. So it's a more stable commitment that they make to be there at that time to pick up, you know, this, you know, this, this small group of kids. Um, but as much as they're going to put that, you know, commitment out there, we want to do it ourselves as well. And having the options for them to feel like they can start off as a 1099 and switch to, you know, to the other status or even start as, you know, W2 and become, you know, 1099 because this year they decided to buy a new vehicle, want to have more, you know, things to write off themselves for tax purposes, whatever it is. We want to respect that. You know, we want to respect that people are trying to make a living too. And I think that's what made our model a little different. Yeah. And it's great that you're building out something different. I think that the way that the gig economy is going to work is because marketplaces are going to come in and disrupt the model, yeah. right? And we've said for a long time on this podcast that the marketplaces that are going to win long term, that are going to scale long term, are going to be the ones that put the highest emphasis on serving your gig workers. Um, and so that's where you look at like, sure, you may have a little bit of an extra line item. Yeah. You may it may you have you may cost a little bit more per worker if you're categorizing them as an employee, for example, over. To 99 but that that's only one small piece of the picture if you kind of zoom out and look at the big picture it's actually better for you to emphasize building trust with your workers it's it's better for you even if it costs a little bit more to have a more committed base of workers right? it's better for you to have a better like reputation as a company so i i really love all of those things that you're emphasizing and i would say would you do you think the way you're thinking about it is like we're putting we're building out this new path in an industry that that hasn't really changed in a long time, um, is that is that where you were heading with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's also this. Uh, there is what we have learned by talking to our drivers and drivers out there in general, and the you know, and the gig market too is, you know, um, as phenomenal as the businesses Uber and Lyft both are, and they really have changed transportation globally, right? I mean, they are, you know, they're the you know the top of the top. But what has happened is, if you talk to a lot of Uber and Lyft drivers. Majority of them will tell you that, you know, they don't really quite have a sense of what they're earning each week, right? They understand the numbers that they've earned from running the routes and working. But, you know, when they start calculating into what 
you know, the cost of the, you know, of the vehicle is the gas, the mileage, you know, you know, the wear and tear and the hours that they're putting. Um, a lot of people don't slow down and pay attention to that. And that affects your growth as a person that affects whether you can, you know, safely be done working at 65, 67, you know, et cetera. Um, so I think the way that we also looked at it is, you know, we wanted to have a stable market for the drivers. We wanted to have the options. I think changes are inevitable, but there's got to be also a component where an employer has to worry and, and make sure that they educate their pe- you know, their staff, their, the people who work for them on, you know, the choices they are to make to make sure that they're okay when they're ready to, you know, to retire. Um, so I think, yes, I think to your point, um, there's, there's real interest in the industry changes are going to happen. We see them every single day. Um, you know, we see businesses who even in the rideshare world, you know, for adults are, you know, starting with the W2 model, um, you know, but, uh, but I think it's, it's just crucial to don't just prep for the change, but also prep for what's important right now. And that is to educate and help the staff that's going to help you, you know, grow your business. And, and don't get me wrong, Brooks, it's, it's, you know, you're not going to please everyone. You know, the 1099 industry, you know, gig, you know, gig, you know, world. It, there's a lot of stubborn people who only want to work in that field as a 1099, right? And and even though you might want to show them that there's, you know, you can get, you know, you can get, you know, 401k where you never had it, et cetera. They love that world and there's nothing wrong with it, you know, and change. If change isn't met with some criticism, it wouldn't be changed, right? And so that's kind of how we view things. That, that is great. That's why I really love the ability to be flexible on how they are classified. And I think it'd be cool to just to build out this new way that I feel like you guys are really championing now of um, you have the option. Here, here are the benefits of being classified in either direction. Um, you've got to realize you're losing something either way. Um, and so what would you what would you prefer? I think that's I think that that is really helpful in that industry. I would also add for marketplace leaders who are thinking through this, the like uh, underlying vein is how do we serve gig workers well? Like mm-hmm. that's the that's the belief that's the the question that leads to this kind of model. Um, and for you, if you're like in a place where I I really can't add on W two workers, I can't we can't do that at the moment. Um, there are ways that you can go in Absolutely. on serving your your to ninety nine workers and um, and I think that there's there's a lot of companies including Ride Along who are like moving forward with mm-hmm. how do we educate better our to 99 how do we help them to upskill how do we provide some of these other benefits or through partnerships or otherwise um to make our 1099 employees feel like more of a part of the team and develop that commitment from them so that i think that's a great way to be thinking um into the future yeah i think what's in, you know what's what's important is the way we like to kind of talk about you know you know you know internally here is I think we almost would like to see go away the idea that we call them gig workers, right? Because historically, corporations, businesses, companies just had part-time employees, right? Like that's that's not a new concept. Um, and they had a part-time, you know, contractors, et cetera. But this this word of gig, you know, you know, workers, it's almost like people automatically have this assumption it's a redheaded stepchild that shouldn't get the same things that, you know, the rest of us do. And, and I think that, you know, if you are built on using 1099 workforce, that's perfectly fine. That's still your workforce, right? It's just that they choose to be considered for tax, you know, you know, 
um, purposes and maybe they don't get all the benefits in a different way because that's that's of their choice. But I think we almost have to reclassify how we view that workforce. Um, you know, and 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 it's okay. You know, there's there's this huge discussion now whether the 1099 worker should set their own rates. You know, um, that you know then and 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 if that falls under it. And to be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Right. I think that you know um, companies have to dig deeper to find true meaning to what value workers bring to their company and whether their company is truly built under the 1099 model. And maybe that's what it is. Um, but I think that the conversation has to continue pushing forward. We have to find a bridge where, you know, we can just call everybody, you know, with, you know, with the workforce. We don't have to call them, you know, you know, the gig, you know, world, or we'd have to call them W2 world. If they help your bottom line, then they're part of your team, right? And you have the same duty like everywhere else to, to put in a best system in place for them to succeed. Um, and so that's that. That's how we try to see it. Um, it's not an easy process, especially as a startup. You know, we don't have the resources or power as some of the bigger, you know, you know, uh, you know, do. But we try to take it one step at a time. We, if we do it for one driver at a time, we think it builds, you know, that, you know, that message. And and so that's what we try to stick to every single day. Yeah, that's great. I love the emphasis on culture. And as a startup, I feel like you have so much more potential to disrupt and and to serve gig workers in a way that some of these bigger corporations can't and um and to just usher in this new era of of the gig economy so that's great i, I would say let my last question for you um before we start to wrap up and it's kind of a off the off this topic question but sure. outside of everything that we've talked about what would be the biggest piece of advice that you give other marketplace leaders people who are sitting in your seat really um, biggest thing that you would you would tell them? Yeah, look, I, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned in my early years of being a CEO and starting my own business is, um, you know, we're all we're, we've only been around for three for two years, three years, so it's not like we're even that old. But early on, I learned a lesson that when you're building a business, a company model, you have the ability to think that whatever you have laid out on a piece of paper is the way it has to develop. And I think that being open-minded to um, not rush to judgment by making sure you change your entire thinking about how you run your business, but just being open-minded to hearing what can make your business better, um, that will make your environment better, that will make a better working platform for your drivers, for your you know staff. At the end of the day, it's going to mean a better you know growth for your business. It might not seem so at the beginning. Um, but we know that's the case. Um, and so I think being open-minded and trying to understand both sides of the platform is 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 key. And I think if you do that, um, you know, you'll find yourself more times being open to making minor changes that are actually going to mean a huge, you know, you know, changes for everybody else, uh, you know, within the company. That's great. So to just start wrapping up here a couple questions for you on the on back to the topic of w2 versus 1099 do you see any exceptions to the the type of um model that you've created are there marketplaces where you look and you're like actually maybe it's better for them to classify all their workers as either 1099 or w2 versus allowing that option yeah look when you're dealing with part-time workforce that there there tends to be high turnover of people that come in. So when we found that when we give people the option as, 
you know, W-2 and they choose to do it. And, and then, you know, there is a big surge of extra fees for Uber and they decide to leave and go to Uber, right? So I think I really don't see there being a, a, a reason why companies can't offer both. Um, we, 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 you know, I, I think that if companies across the board just gave the flexibility for people to pick what status they want to be on there, just the same way that we now give people the option to work from home, <laughs> right? It, it was something that if you asked prior to 2020, it would be unheard of, <laughs> but now it's become normal where we give people a day or two or maybe even more to work from home. There's no reason why we can't offer them different statuses if that's what they want, right? We think that, um, you know, even with the high turnover, as long as you, you know, account for the costs that are going to impact your company and have fold that into your sales prices and, you know, whatever product that you're doing or service, we think that there is there is no business out there that couldn't use that. I think that if anything, you will probably double or triple the amount of people who want to work for you because they have that option. That's great. All right. One last question here. Sure. Can you through everything that we've talked about? Uh, and kind of just to sum it up, what would be the biggest takeaway you want other marketplace leaders to have from from this conversation? Um, keep listening and keep growing. You know, uh, I think that the biggest take that I want to take from this is that change is scary sometimes, um, but it's not un unheard of. Um, and it doesn't make anyone or any company any less of a business because they go back and say, maybe we didn't get it right the first time. Uh, so I think there is a way how to bridge this disconnect between the 1099, you know, workforce and, you know, corporate, you know, you know, world. Um, I think that we can absolutely um, hear each other out and find a way how to, you know, how to make it work. That's awesome. Norbert, thank you so much for, for coming on. Of course, guys, we, we really highly recommend that you go and connect with Norbert on LinkedIn. Go just check out all the stuff that they're doing at Ride Along. And we'll have his LinkedIn profile in the show notes. We're going to have Ride Along's website listed there so you can go and learn more. Um, Norbert, is there anything else I could uh, push people to or promote for you? No, thanks for, you know, thanks for having us. Check out our, um, you know, um, um, website. Check out our LinkedIn page. You know, we're, 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 we're trying to help students across the country in a time where there's very limited amount of bus drivers and issues with buses. And, you know, we've, we're, we're now at 20 markets across the country and, 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 and we're growing. So, um, you know, we're not perfect, but we, we try to give the best effort that we can ever see today. So check us out. Thank and Thank you, Brooks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Audience, thank you for listening and being part of this community. So grateful for all of you. Thank you for not just uh, listening, but also investing your own insights, your own thoughts as you've listened. I've, I've really um, benefited myself from all of the things that you guys have had to say, all the interactions that we've had. And so I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. Norbert, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.